welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Land Scurve Show. I have to admit, I just woke up. I planned on doing this earlier, but I laid back on the bed with some nice music and the breeze was coming through the windows and it just, mmm. But things were whispered into my spirit at the time that I rested. I've been going hard recently, but that's the only way I know to go. I want to welcome everyone in thus far who's here. Gifty Sine, thank you very much for being here. She made it first. Dami, Tasmanian Devil, Armani Laws, Kate Levy, yes. Eventually I'm going to zone out into my own little world and share what's in my subconscious mind and what's in my spirit. And I've been getting into a lot of great conversations, great exchanges. I have to say that a lot of the words that were shared with me, I will speak on, but it's not because I'm so great. It's because of the great people around me. And I have a joke with them that I say, I'm going to have to verbally plagiarize you, but I'll take the recipe and maybe alter a little bit and add some ingredients in. But the bottom line is that all of us here, or most of us here in the chat room are vibrating very high. And I love it. I have to say also that I've never had a period in my life where it was just straight with no chaser, no distractions, straight high spiritual vibrations, things that I can see clearly that maybe many decades ago I couldn't see as clear. But the bottom line is I could see it now. And what I do see, I'm going to share. Doesn't mean that I know everything. Of course I don't. This is a journey for all of us as we hold hands and move forward. And we hold hands because we want to make sure that we all pull through. Sometimes our legs get weary. Sometimes we get a little tired. Sometimes all of us together will catch a break to let that one catch a break because we don't want that one to fall behind. Because we have so many entities around us attempting to pull us off course oftentimes a course that is divine and they don't want us to realize that because these entities, they have nowhere to go. They have no intuition to want to come out of the role that they don't have to be in. This is the thing. Let's talk about it. The title of this episode tonight is your spiritual parasites don't care about you. What do you mean by parasites, Gerv? Your spiritual paradise, parasites? I said paradise. No, parasites is nowhere near paradise, but it sounds the same. Parrot is the only thing that they have in common in that word. Yes, you can hear me sniffing. I just woke up, y'all. But this is from the heart. So there is no script. There are no written, written words. I just wanted to start out with what the definition of a parasite is. I get this again from the Oxford Languages Dictionary so that no one can say I'm making anything up. Parasite, an organism that lives in or on an organism of another species, its host, and benefits by deriving nutrients at the other's expense. Wow. I'm going to read that again. A parasite is an organism that lives in or on 
an organism of another species, which, which happens to be its host, and benefits by deriving nutrients at the other's expense. Okay, this particular definition of parasite, it's speaking about things on a physical level. When they say, and benefits by deriving nutrients. But we're going to take it a step further. We're going to speak on parasites in human form. They have the human form, and they're not actually biting you in the arm and sucking your blood like a vampire, but they remain in close proximity to you because we all have the spiritual level with us. We all have a spiritual self. And while the bodies may look pristine and clean with the Colgate smile, these spiritual parasites will be around us to suck from our life force, to suck from our energy. Yes, many people will think that I'm speaking quackery and you can call me crazy. What's the song years ago? You can call me crazy. (laughs) You can call me crazy. Let me tell you something. I've learned to embrace what others call crazy. I've learned to embrace my weirdness. I've learned to embrace being eccentric because when you walk on a spiritual level in this world, you'll often be referred to as being crazy, off. Eh, That Lance, (laughs) he's a nice guy, but he's a little cuckoo in the head. Don't let him start speaking that stuff around you. I used to have a coworker, friend of mine, never forget him. I don't know if he's, he's ever lucked out upon seeing this podcast. His name was Ivan. He was a very nice guy. We used to work at Home Depot together. And out of the times that we've worked the night shift together, they would always want to work with me because I always had something to say. I always had a story to tell. So the joke was on the floor of Home Depot, where it was closing, and then we had to do the stocking and stuff. It would say, Ivan would say, Lance, tell me a story. Tell me a story. And I'm like, what do you want to talk about? Pick a subject. Uh, he picked something. Relationships <laughs> or sports. <laughs> I'm not so big in sports, just the bodybuilding and the boxing sometimes. But, I mean, I know what that is. I'm leaving all of that behind eventually, right? But he would say things, and he would say, well, start out from the, sc- the stars and the moon and the cosmos. You see, that's what he thought I was. He was In a friendly way, saying, Lance, you're crazy, but we love you, and we love your stories. So I understand that, so I embrace that. And until you embrace that, you'll never be at peace with yourself because it really means that you're unique. And I remember, and I'm not an old man at 60 years old, reminiscing about the old days, saying that they're better, but yes, there are lots of things about it and aspects about it that were better. But we aim to be unique. If I was in a barbershop when I had hair, because I shave it by choice. If somebody put the part on their right side, I wanted to put the part on my left side. I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to look like everybody else. Nobody wanted to look like anybody else. I've seen guys and I've seen ladies show up at parties and they saw the person that beat them into the party with a certain outfit on. I've seen people turn around and go home and change their clothes. Because they didn't want to look like the other person. They didn't want to seem as though they were copying them, even though it's obvious that you're not going to know what the next person is going to wear. But now, it's a cookie-cutter situation. And 
Anything unique about you must be erased. Anything on a spiritual level that is intuitive must be erased. When you are on to something that's happening in this world on a spiritual level, for the most part, it's quickly rejected. And you'll have people that are in the various religions, and we'll speak on Christianity because that's something that most of us have some kind of dealings or some types of proximity to. Even those religious individuals who may not be spiritual will look at you with the side eye. Where did you get that from? What scripture did that come from? See, when you get the cookbook, there are things in that cookbook that are called recipes. But when you have that spiritual intuition, you're not trying to add on to a book or change the book. But there's a rhythm that you get on a spiritual level where you don't really need the book all the time. You can see what you see. The book is supposed to jumpstart you to a higher level of spirituality, but after a while, you put it down because you've internalized it. Like the analogy that I spoke on earlier about the lawyer. When you're a veteran lawyer, you don't need to walk around with your books like the neophyte lawyer who has the pile of books in the back seat of his vehicle and he has to run down there and ask the judge he needs a break. His stomach is sick, but he's really going back to the backseat of the car to look over a couple of laws so he can refresh himself to have a better shot at winning the case. But the bottom line is we learn in a world where people talk spirituality, but they don't know spirituality. I heard one very ignorant young lady speak and say, oh, that Lance, he's not spiritual. Fool, demons are spiritual. Good people, righteous people, whatever you want to call them, demons also, it's all spiritual. Because we have that instinct. It's like saying one radio station is not going through the air and broadcast like the other one. They're all broadcast, but they're on different frequencies. Spiritualism always mean good. We can claim spirituality and parade around with the good talk, but it doesn't mean that we're good people or we're ascending as we should. It's funny because a very good brother friend of mine that I've known for a very, very long time. He might show up here tonight. He might be listening. He does that sometimes. Let me check the chat room. I might see him. I'll call him out if we see him. But he sent me a short video on Facebook. And I forgot what the term, oh, it was called molting, M-O-L-T-I-N-G, I believe that is it. And it was about a crab who was molting. I never knew about a crab in the process of molting. But it's when the crab pulls itself out of the old former armature shell and his limbs are renewed or renewed but they're not hardened yet. It takes a couple days for the new crab legs to harden. 
But they do this because they have to renew their shell, shell or just get away from the old shell because there might be bacteria growing on it. It might be cracked or damaged from some type of battle. But it's all about being renewed in its physical shell, its exoskeleton. And when I saw that, I'm always thinking something deeper. I said, look at this. And it pulled itself away and left the old shell. So what about us as people on a spiritual level? When do we pull away and leave the old encasement of the things that we were into? When do we leave those things alone to go for a higher view, an ascension, a higher level of existence? And how many of us are carrying around the old shells trying to talk the new stuff that we don't even embrace? It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me because our trauma leaves a void in us. Like I use the analogy about the bowling ball. When you go to the bowling alley, it has those three holes in it. The bowling ball is not something light. You can hold it up, but most petite women have to hold two hands and some weak men have to use two hands and some could just stick those fingers in the hole and just grab it up. But you still have to use the other hand as you slide up and toss that bowling ball to knock the pins. You have to guide it. But the trauma that we've endured in this life leaves an opening like those holes in the bowling ball for these spiritual parasites to get a grip on us and like that bowling ball being thrown down the bowling alley, it guides us when we're not aware. So what we have to become is that bowling ball that has no holes in it. That way, others who are spiritual parasites can't get a grip on our life because we've healed our voids from the trauma that we've endured. So if we fill those voids up, it's like filling up the holes on the bowling ball. So when the spiritual parasites feel around for the voids, the insecurities, the doubts, the negative thoughts that may have been put into us from when we were younger, and we may look confident in life, but we walk through life Questioning ourselves, even though we may be on the highest level of excellence in our areas of expertise that are chosen. We never really exude completely and vibrate completely because there's always that percentage of self-doubt. And here comes the parasite, the spiritual parasite, who, when they put their fingers in the bowling ball, that's us the intangibles that the world doesn't see, those voids seem to be filled. And we can't feel the emptiness inside of us because the fingers of the spiritual parasite has filled up the holes. And they charm us. And they work their way in. And when they have to leave us and the fingers come out of the bowling ball, we fill those feel those voids again, and we don't understand it. 
So we feel we need this entity who is not going to reveal who and what they are. They're just going to keep on using us and guiding us because their fingers are inside our deepest voids and insecurities. And we feel good. And we feel we need the spiritual parasite. But here's the thing. The spiritual parasite brings nothing to the table. And again, I'm going to say this is not going to go all night because I just woke up from a sleep, so I'm talking really out of my head. Maybe this is the best way to be uninhibited when you speak is just to wake up from because you know your mind is just wide open. So I might start speaking some psycho babble because I still got like 15% of me in the world asleep. <laughs> but that's okay. Y'all know I'm crazy. But it's a unholy, toxic, dysfunctional relationship. Because it's funny. The spiritual vampires and spiritual parasites earlier on in our lives were the ones that chewed us up and caused us to have these voids. And the parasites later on will see what was done to us and quickly identify those voids and fill them up with their hand, just like the bowling ball, to guide us where we want to go. On the banner, Simple picture. The simpler the better. I've learned, not in art school, because I went to art school, but I was drawing my behind off long before I went to the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan. But when you do political illustrations, when you do those little cartoons that you see in the newspaper or now on websites, the picture should explain the situation. And if any words are used, they should be very little because the visual should explain the whole scenario of what is going on between the characters. Now, the words, if used, there may be three or four words or five words tops, I'd say, or maybe one character speaking to the other. But that's to accentuate what you understand from a simple vision. So with YouTube thumbnails and, and, and pictures like this that you put up, the simpler, the better. Easy to digest mentally, to make you think also, to pull you in and say, well, what is this really about? You know when you drive down the street and you see a billboard, you don't see fine print, especially if you're on the highway. Much less the highway, the street is a little easier because you might have a red light and stop. But you're flying down the highway at 75 miles an hour. You don't see a billboard with several paragraphs in fine print. You'd never understand what they're trying to say. You'd see one bold statement and a catchphrase and maybe a logo that you can identify. And maybe a phone number, depending if it's a traffic jam and you can jot it down. But you get the information swiftly. So that's why I keep my thumbnails, as opposed to when I first started and didn't know, I keep them simple. But in the spiritual realm, 
It's not so easy to get a snapshot and understand what's around you all the time because there's so much competing for our attention. And not only that, we are still emotional creatures. It doesn't mean we're emotional walking around either hysterical and then crying at the next minute. It doesn't mean we're on an emotional roller coaster ride, but we're caught up with the concerns of our life. We're concerned with our future as we should, although we need to focus more on the present, which will become our future, as in the segment that we did, there is no there. But we know about that already. But there's so many things in this modern day that just confuse us, pull us in, compete for our attention to the point where we don't understand what is really immediately around us. I'm going to stand up, sit down so much in front of this computer. Excuse me for a second. Move this chair over, stretch out my legs, and I'm just going to lean up on the wall like we are on the corner, just chilling and talking. That's the best way to go. And again, this is not going to be a three-hour show. <laughs> I got to get back to bed, but I promise, as soon as I wake up, I'm going to get something to eat, and we're going to come talking again. We're going to keep on throwing punches until we get the knockout of righteous elevation. But like I was saying, the spiritual parasites, they come into your life, and you feel as though it's something good. You feel as though they're adding on to your life. When in fact, they're a leech. And because of our traumas, and because of how they temporarily fill the voids that we have because of those long-standing traumas, we invite them more so into our life. So here you have the photo of a hitchhiker who really, they don't care who they hitch on to. They just want to ride. They just want to move forward. They are strangers who want to benefit from the full tank of gas that you've worked hard for to fill up. They have no insurance on a car because they have no car. They don't have to pay for a registration fee because they have no car. They don't have to pay for an inspection fee because they have no car. Total coverage, they don't care. That's your responsibility. I'm going to hop in on this vehicle. You don't know me, but I'm going to play you because of your kind heart. And I'm going to stand there and look innocent. I'm not going to wear a Jason mask to make you scared to make you pass me by. And I'm going to count on the fact that you have this kind heart to slow down and pick me up. Now, you know, in 2023 and even decades ago, we got hip to the game because sometimes we'd pick up hitchhikers and they would do something obviously bad to the person who had the kind heart. It doesn't mean that all hitchhikers do this. But then again, you have hitchhikers who have to be leery of who they're jumping in the car with because you might not ever see them again. But with the spiritual parasites, they don't want to take you out right away. They want you to be healthy. They want you to 
survive and thrive. Because the more you thrive, is the more they can suck from you over time. The spiritual parasites will ride with you as long as you will allow them. But they have their own destination, and that's nowhere. The spiritual parasites really don't have anywhere to go. Because unlike a real hitchhiker who has a definitive place to go, the spiritual parasite is going to ride your backside for all it's worth until you get smart. Well, how do you get smart with the spiritual parasite? Oftentimes we have so many things going on in our life, we don't understand the small percentages of energy drains that we have in our life. You ever go in for an offer, some introductory offer? Let's just make this up. Magazines. Well, for $1.99, you'll have subscriptions to the top 20 magazines. But after a year, $1.99 will turn into $79.99. And you say to yourself, ha, I'm going to get over. See, in this sense, we become the parasite because we're trying to get something more for less. So you quickly pay your $1.99. And you read all of these magazines, and it's heaven because you're getting over. And you have all the stuff to read in the toilet. You got all the stuff to read on your coffee table. You got so much stuff to read. You don't even have the time to read all these magazines. But it's a great feeling of abundance. Like the spiritual parasite gives you when he fills your voids in a fraudulent way. So after the year is over, you don't see the dollar ninety nine that comes out all the time. So you're not paying any mind because you don't feel it. Dollar ninety nine, yeah, okay, no problem. It's one of those little things I spend because you have other little dollar ninety nines and ninety nine and three ninety nine coming out. But at this particular time point in your life. You're doing well. So if it comes out, it must be something that you wanted specifically. You don't really go in and say, okay, what is this all about? I forgot what it was. No, because after the year, you're not paying any mind. You don't follow through with what you said that you're going to cancel that subscription for that $1.99. So you don't get hit with the $79.99 later on. But four or five months later, you notice that there's a little more money leaking out of your account. And you can't figure out why. Now you have to investigate. And don't let your checking account get so low that that $79.99 makes the difference and makes stuff start to collapse and bounce. It can happen to anybody. But see, what happens when the spiritual parasite rides your behind for your entire life capitalizing on the traumas that you have, holding on to you, like that bowler who has the bowling ball and his three fingers inside the bowling ball, getting a grip on you. You may have an independent thought to kind of go down to hit the pins one way, but that hand of the spiritual parasite is guiding you to where it wants to go because it's only there for its benefit and not yours. 
That's why I say your spiritual parasites don't care about you. Well, let's bump it up a little bit. I talk about basic things, you know, lust, addiction, these types of things that we lie to ourselves about. There was a time in my life I had a serious, serious lust problem. So this is why I talk like that sometimes because that's the mark. That's the bruise that it's fading away, but the mark is still there. So the spiritual parasites that came around me who can activate my lust with the inviting cleavage and the short skirts knew how to get their fingers in my bowling ball and control me to take me somewhere I didn't want to go. That's real. It could be alcoholism. It could be drug addiction. It could be a gambling addiction. It could be anger management issues. It doesn't matter what it is. But it helps to guide you down that bowling lane of doom. To hit more pins of addiction. To hit more pins of the offerings of the carnal pleasures of the body. I speak from experience. So your whole life, this hitchhiker spiritual parasite is riding on you, whispering to you, talking to you, learning you, watching your movements. And it will guide you because, see, it, it benefits from your energies. It's not trying to take you higher. It's not trying to add on to anything. It's like that person who may be a friend but didn't have the decency to tell you that when you all went to the restaurant and said you were all going to go Dutch, that person didn't have any money in their pocket, which is not a crime. But they didn't say anything. So when, it's come, when it comes time for the check and you dividing it up, they're looking at you stupid. I know somebody who used to regularly do that. And they were trying to train their friends. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I ain't got no money. He did this maybe a five or six times. And only came out to the expensive restaurants because he knew he was going to have a meal that he couldn't afford. But he was going to burden and use his buddies to pay for that meal. So one by one, after he said that, they said, well, we're going to sit here for a little while and chit-chat. And they were winking at each other. And my friend didn't see this. Well, two got up and said, well, I'm going to run to the restroom. And so the friendly leech said, I'm going to go too. So they stayed in longer than he did. And he was like, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'll be sitting at the table. And you're like, good. One who drove everybody there, he said, let me go and get something from my vehicle. I'll be right back. And the other two said, hey, I got to make a cell phone call. You sit there, we'll be right back. They all left and left them there. They taught them a lesson. And on the way out, they paid their part of the bill. Yes, they did. And they said, my friend there, he's going to pay his part right here. No problem. And they tipped the waiter. They gave him a lesson. They didn't want to deal with a leech anymore. 
But oftentimes the spiritual parasites in human form will be the supplier of our vices to keep us in that place to not go higher, which makes it easier for them to suck from us our life force that is reduced. And we struggle between that place where the spiritual parasite will keep us. And when they're not around, we say, oh, I shouldn't have been in the topless bar. I shouldn't have been up on a club rubbing up on some strange woman. I shouldn't have been to the gambling spot. We struggle, but we don't get anywhere like a person who is stuck in the mud or some snow or some ice, and we're pushing the pedal to the metal, but we're not going anywhere. We're spinning our tires to the benefit of the spiritual parasite. Now, I'm going to verbally plagiarize someone who I spoke to about this. I'm not going to take credit for something I didn't say, but I'm going to say it my way. The spiritual parasite is like that person who is encouraging you to go faster in a vehicle, knowing that the road ends soon in the darkness. Let's see how fast this car can go. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's a brand new car, man. Just to, you know, tuned it up after a couple months of trip, but it's still new. We just broke it in. Let's see. And the spiritual parasite is riding with you, but it's a drop top. So he knows that this road is under construction. And in actuality, if you go straight and don't make that sharp turn, you're going to go off a cliff. So the spiritual parasite is saying, oh, my God, you're up to 110 miles an hour. You're up to 120 miles an hour, 135. Let's push it. Let's get to 150. And by the time you realize you cannot stop that vehicle and you see in the darkness that there's nothing in front of you, the double yellow line has ended and you realize that you can't make the turn and there's no more road. And the spiritual parasite ejects himself from the vehicle because he planned on putting you in this position. So the spiritual parasite is gone. And here you are in a sorry state of affairs, unable to slow down as you approach a cliff on a high elevation. Now, the way it was told to me is that the things you've done to people, because of these parasites that are in you. You were weak enough to let this parasite dictate to you your actions all your life. But now, whatever way we transition, through sickness or expiration, because these bodies that we're in, they're not made to last forever. But our energy goes on. So here you are. Not taking credit, but really regretting the things you've done when you know that your time is coming near. And you realize that this really wasn't me. But I did those things. And you realize that you had something influencing you that became a part of you. But you didn't want to do the spiritual detox, the spiritual cleanse. 
to get rid of the parasites that were in you that caused you and helped you to do what it is that you did. And I'm not saying it in a way where, oh, the devil made me do it. But we make decisions every day. And we can either resist certain behaviors or we make the choice to give in to it because it's something very pleasurable on some front. But you have to understand that with the spiritual parasite, just like the analogy that I used explaining the car going off the cliff, when your time is near, that spiritual parasite is going to leave and you're going to realize that you've been used. You've been sucked from. Something was pulling from you and you have no one to blame but yourself. And you spent your entire life indulging in things and doing things that you could have stayed away from. And you realize that you've been used. I remember there was a lake in upstate New York, lower upstate. Not all the way upstate because New York State is very big. New York City is really small. The thing is, there were two people who came with us who wanted to go because my father loved to go to this lake and fish. It was named Sebago Lake, S-E-B-A-G-O. Maybe in the future somebody will see and hear this and say, oh, Lance, I used to go there too. But it was a different kind of lake because it was pretty big. And on one side, you can fish. Past a certain point, you couldn't with the hooks going out because it was like a makeshift beach. It wasn't a beach, but they had an area that had sand. And I would love to go to that part and run up the side where my father was fishing. So my father, my mother, myself, we'd take the drive up to Sebago Lake, and I loved it the refreshments and other kids. And it wasn't too vast where you couldn't really run around. You were always in view of your parents. So there were other two. There was a couple that came with us. They were a little older than my parents. But on the way back, we had several tolls. And we didn't require them to do anything, but we saw their movements. And me being very observant, because... We were going from when I was very young before I realized it until, you know, I was a young teenager and we were still going. But every time we got near the toll booth, the couple that came with us who was a little older, they would always act as though they were falling asleep. They were always acting like they were sleeping. See, they didn't want to pay the toll. But they could have told my parents that and it wouldn't have been a problem. But they showed what they were. They showed their DNA, their spiritual DNA. And lots of times with people in our lives who are spiritual parasites in human form, they can't help but let us know with the little things that are done around us that are indicative of what they will do when the stakes are higher, when the cost is higher. Because you can never depend on a spiritual parasite in human form 
when the time comes because their job is to leech from you, to suck from you. Needless to say, they were nice people, but I didn't see too much of them again. Not that my parents wanted money from them. They actually enjoyed their company and even considered having them come around again. But what would have happened if we went up to Sebago Lake and stayed a little later? Of course, it got dark up there, and it wasn't too far from civilization. But what if something with the car broke down and we needed some financial help? Not that my father and mother ever left without being adequately uh, full in the pockets. But these are the kind of people, like I said, that when the going gets tough or you hit a point where you realize they've been fake all along, they're going to leave with a full stomach of your life force because they've been sucking from you the whole time through. And I think it's sad. And I think it's really bad because these things are avoidable. But they study us and manipulate us and take us to a place where we let them in. Like I said, to speak in a Christian-like way, whenever the devil comes to the front door, we have the choice of never answering, but oftentimes we're so deceived as to who he is that we open the door with a smile and welcome him right on in, not knowing what we just let into our lives. Isn't that something? So I kind of put together a list of identifying parasitic individuals. And it's on the site, landscurve.com. You go to the homepage, you'll see it. You'll see the video, because that's the one we're doing now. If you go below, you'll see the list. I'm just going to read off a little bit of it. You can read it in detail at another time that's more convenient to you. And I will drop the link at the top of this chat room before the show is over. But identifying and dealing with individuals who may be considered as parasites in human relationships can be challenging, but it's essential for maintaining healthy and balanced connections. We have 20 bulleted points to help you identify and address such individuals, followed by a short essay that we put together. I'm just going to run down the list. Identifying parasitic individuals, and we know we can raise that up a little higher and call it spiritual parasites. We got to read between the lines. Number one, consistent dependency. They consistently rely on others for financial, emotional, and other forms of support without reciprocating. Two, lack of initiative. They, they show little initiative in improving their own situation or contributing positively to their own lives. Three, manipulative behavior. They may use manipulation and guilt tripping to extract resources from others. Entitlement mentality. They believe they are entitled to the resources of others without putting in effort themselves. Why am I reading this list? And it says human parasites. Well, they're human. They come to you, but the charge in them is parasitic. So if you can identify these, you're probably going to smash a spiritual parasite in their plans on infiltrating your life. Five, 
chronic unemployment. They frequently find themselves unemployed or in unstable job situations without apparent efforts to change. Excessive borrowing. They borrow money or possessions regularly but don't make an effort to repay or return them. Unrealistic expectations. They have unrealistic expectations of what others should provide for them. History of exploitation. They have a pattern of exploiting others for personal gain. Emotional manipulation. They may use emotional tactics to keep others engaged in providing for them. And failure to acknowledge contributions. They seldom acknowledge or appreciate the contributions of others to their well-being. Negative impact on well-being. Interactions with them consistently leave you feeling drained, stressed, or unfulfilled. I'm going to say it again. Interactions with them consistently leave you feeling drained, stressed, or unfulfilled. That's so true because when they leave from you, you feel limp. You feel spent. You feel tired. Number 12, unwillingness to learn or grow. They show an unwillingness to learn new skills or develop themselves to become more self-sufficient. 13, exploitation of empathy. They exploit the empathy of others by presenting themselves as victims. 14, over-reliance on others' achievements. They boast about the achievements of their friends or family as if it were their own. 15, consistent pattern of unavailability. They are conveniently unavailable when others need your support or assistance. 16, indifference to others' needs. They are indifferent to the needs or challenges faced by others. Lack of gratitude. They seldom express gratitude for the support they receive. Resistance to change. They resist making changes or taking steps to improve their circumstances. 19, frequent excuses. They consistently make excuses for their lack of effort or progress. Number 20, the last one, pattern of broken promises. They have a history of making promises they don't fulfill. If a person can be this way in human form, then what are they as a potential spiritual parasite? See, most times we see things coming a mile away. But oftentimes, again, like I said in the beginning of this broadcast, we have so much going on in our personal lives that we don't even see what's coming. It's terrible. I'm looking at the chat room. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why people? <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. I want to welcome everybody who I didn't acknowledge. Maybe it's too much to list. I didn't know because I'm zoned out. Just talking the talk. So I want to take things down. You know. <laughs> Gifty. I don't know if you know. <laughs> exactly. They're the ultimate. And we should know. We run to church. Do all kind of aerobics, jumping around, throbbing at the mouth, speaking in tongues. I came in a Honda. I came in a few Hondas too, but it wasn't anything religious. <laughs> and you got this entity using you on your jobs, using you for your expertise and your excellence. 
hiring people who are neophytes, who are under you and putting them over you. And that person they put over you doesn't know 10% of what you know, but they get the pay, but you get the labor because that person who they put over you now is your supervisor. But they don't want to pay you. I wonder why. But that supervisor still comes around and gets the credit for your expertise that everybody knows that you have in that office or that corporate situation or that whatever industry you're in. You see? Whatever industry, it doesn't matter. Different play, same actors, same positionings. So they are the human parasites and they are also the spiritual parasites because they want you to think that you're not good enough while they benefit from your talents and abilities. They don't want you to be confident in what you have and what you offer. So oftentimes they move the goalposts to make it seem like you're not good enough while excelling and they steal your ideas. They compromise you in so many different ways with a smile on their face. And as the years roll by, you realize that you're not getting where you were supposed to go as fast. Not that you don't think that you should have a little patience. You see what I mean? But yeah, look at that. You're talking about the church. Abalia, you haven't been to church in 13 years. Smart woman. Yes, deja vu. I haven't been to a church actively in about four years and don't miss it all. Exactly. <laughs> like Gifty said, of course, individuals is a topic, but it fits so well in their description. It's true. Because they don't always have the same face. The spiritual parasite. The spiritual parasite will even be the good one who will do something for you sometimes. Because it's an investment to take from you. So we have to be shrewd. We have to have our third eye, our gift of discernment, not muddied by the environment that we're in. Because we can be so caught up in one thing and concerned about one aspect of our lives and we leave the other part open. I always say it every few shows. It's like spending $50,000 on a lock, an alarm on your front door. State of the art. Probably that's half the price of the daggone house. And you have valuables inside. And you feel so secure that you have this high-tech lock. It's so high-tech you walk near the door, it just opens for you, but nobody else. They don't have anything like that yet, I don't think, but I'm quite sure they can create that. But your back door has a cheap little screw-in hook latch. And every time the wind blows, it's shaking the door. So I don't care how protected you are in one aspect of your life, unless it's across the board. Even if the lock is not a $50,000 lock, even if it's just something that's 200 bucks. But every door and window has it because that burglar is smart. He's going to case the joint, that burglar of a spiritual parasite. They often hang around you and size you up in many ways. 
hanging around you, rocking back and forth. Maybe not physically rocking, but they're almost like that little girl out in the street who's jumping double dutch, jump rope, and they hold on to their chest, and they rock back and forth, and they're looking at the ropes, and all of a sudden they make the leap and jump on in. And others who don't have rhythm say those little black girls, they're just so fascinating with this. Across, everywhere we go, we travel across the country, and they could, they could just jump like this. They have rhythm. Well, you don't. <laughs> Please do not attempt this, others, because it ain't going to work. And they'll find one that can do it now. And it's all over YouTube like it's something fascinating. But when we do it, it's just, mm, that's just what Negroes do. <laughs> Don't be fooled by these people. They watch you. They know your capabilities. They rock back and forth like the little girl getting ready to jump between those ropes that are a blur to most people. How do you get your body inside the two ropes that are spinning so fast? How did they get into my life? How did I get into this relationship? the ladies will say, with this man who was so charming. He offered to help me in so many ways, but I didn't take it up. But he never did anything. How is it that now? We've been together for nine years and have several children, but that Negro never got up off the couch to do anything. Maybe he did for a little while, and it's a hustle to get himself in. Why am I getting STDs and I'm not out there cheating with nobody? It's him who's bringing it to me. But he always seems to find a way to manipulate me because he's a spiritual parasite and he wants to keep the hustle of me going on. The low self-esteem that we may have, that's not our fault. These leeches, whether they're male or female, know how to manipulate us and capitalize on that for their own benefit. They don't dig too deep until you're exhausted all the way. But they don't go light either. They find themselves at mid-range in their sucking of your life force. Because, see, they would blow their own whistle if they drained you too fast. They'll even encourage you to do better in life so they can get more out of you, unbeknownst to you. And these people maintain a place in your life. And after a while, they become more and more brazen. They know that, especially with a lower self-esteem, which, like, we can say it that way. And I'm not saying anybody here has that. But sometimes it's esteem issues. It doesn't mean it's lower, lower, lower. Because great people can have little chinks in their armor, little voids in them, little holes in the bowling ball that others can stick their fingers in doesn't mean you're a bad person. You just have to fill those voids. And how do you do that? You do it by healing. You start to read certain books that that leech, that spiritual parasite in a relationship with you sees and he knows that his time is up. Or she, it's both sexes. I'm saying he. Huh. Why are you getting these books on healing? What are you healing from? Who is it that you're trying to heal up from? They're going to inquire because they know the alarm has sounded. And you're acting different. 
You're taking more care of your body. You're appreciating the natural beauty that you have internally and externally. They get very insecure themselves because the hustle of you is over soon and they can see that trajectory. It may not be right away, but maybe a year and a half, two years from now, they could sense it. So what do they do? They make sure to push you down that stairwell of insecurity and hopefully you break your neck or break your leg so you're now re-wounded in a manner that they can capitalize off of that. Your leg is broken, scarred up. Symbolically, I'm talking. They'll help you up the steps. They'll take you to the hospital. They'll treat you nice when you're wounded. But when you get out of line with this healing stuff in your life, they're going to tell you how your legs used to be so pretty with no marks on them. But you fell down the steps. Yeah, because they pushed you. You didn't know it. You felt that something was behind you and pushed you, and he said he lost balance, and that's how it happened. Why didn't you grab the handrail? Well, you were out of balance. You were shocked that you were falling down, and they'll blame you for the injuries that you have. Physical, mental, spiritual. To make you feel less than. Your legs used to be so pretty. I'm saying it in a physical form. A physical way. That it could be mental. You may have a breakdown because maybe you lost someone that meant something big to you. Near and dear. And they'll try to get on you when you feel drained because of that. To make you see yourself as weak. Come on, girl, get up on your feet. You're stronger than that. I never know you as no weak person. The manipulation from the spiritual parasites for their benefit, it's astounding what they can get away with. I remember when I worked in the jail in Orange County, Florida, and it's a saying that I would jokingly say, but not to throw off on women, but it hit me. It was a low vibrational statement but it showed me what this guy was and how he manipulates. And what was that? It's an adult thing now. So if you have any children close by, I'm not going to use profanity, but I want to speak on a situation, what he said. And it was profound, even though it was extremely lower vibrational, it showed me how people can manipulate. I'm not even going to say what it is. I'll say an act performed on a man. You know what that is. What he said was, and he was laughing, he said the best acts, he didn't say it like this now, come on now, this is a jail cell. The best acts performed on you as a man, read between the lines, always comes from a woman with low self-esteem. A low self-esteem BJ is the best BJ you'll ever experience because she's always trying to prove something to you that she's worthy. She's always looking for your validation, so she's going to do it. Oh, my God. How profound. Low vibrational, but look at how some of these leeches, damn, they have degrees in psychology. Seriously. Who thinks stuff like that? 
except someone who has time to manipulate and capitalize on it. Then the brother went on to say, every time you're feeling good, you can't act like you're feeling good. you got to act like it's uh, a mediocre experience. I'm like, oh, man. Not only did he get the hook in the fish's mouth, you're going to yank it back to drive the hook deeper into the mouth of the fish as you reel him in. Don't think because a person didn't come out of college or didn't have any type of higher learning or may obviously be a bit ignorant. It doesn't mean that they don't understand human nature. I don't hang out with pimps. But because of my dealings in New York City, I've known a few. And many of them were subpar. They didn't take care of themselves maybe at certain points in their life, but the damn sure making sure to take care of themselves at from, from from the energy and efforts of others out there who are bringing them that money. We don't even have to say what it is. You all are adults and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I noticed that these pimps would always have that main woman. That was their right-hand woman. What they would call the bottom B-I-T-C-H. I'm not glorifying this. I'm just saying that on many levels, this thing goes on. Spiritual parasites, that's what pimps are, as well as the physical. But some of these guys were so beat up doing terms, time in prison, living here, living there, until they got into that game. Some of them may not have been pretty boys. Some of them might have been just as ugly as a rhino in heat. But they knew if they acted like they were higher and they would treat themselves with the manicures and the pedicures and always making sure their hair is right, they would draw those who didn't have confidence in themselves and he could manipulate them because he put himself up as the answer to all their voids and all their problems, a spiritual parasite. And this goes on on so many different levels. From relationships to the job market, isn't it something that when you fill out a job application, I learned a few tricks in my day, and you know kind of, sort of what they might be paying, but you don't know what the ceiling is. You don't know how high. You have an idea, but many don't want to price themselves out of it. So they have that particular box that you fill in. What is either the salary or the hourly wage that you're looking for? Oh, man, what do you put in? It's a trick. They're trying to see how you value yourself. That even if you have the skills, if you value yourself too low, they still may not hire you because they know if that next job comes and offers more, you'll jump on it and leave them, but you initially came there valuing yourself on a low ball. And don't ask too much. Even if you have the skills to produce, you already are there where you know your worth. So they can't manipulate you. They can't get you to stay for overtime and then cut it 
cut the hours like many companies do, especially in retail. They know that you know something about yourself and the skills you bring to the table. So they watch you too. So what's the best answer? Leave it on them. There's an old man who told me this trick one time. He said, never put a price for a salary or an hourly wage in that box. Do you know what you say? I said, please tell me. What is it that I say, have to say? He said, use the word negotiable. The price that you pay me to work here is negotiable, meaning that we're going to sit down to the table and hammer it out. You throw the ball back in their court. You leave them wondering. Because sometimes and oftentimes, they may have an offer to give you. A set price that is above what you were going to ask for. And if you put that figure in there, it may be four and five and six dollars less than what they were going to give you. And you lowball yourself. And now you got to take years and years to get the raise of what you would have got immediately. Negotiable. That's what you put. But back on the level of the spiritual parasites, they're all over the place in so many different levels. They look to piggyback off of your efforts. They look to benefit from your efforts without adding anything in. We have major parasites around us. We have those little minor ones. Those little dollar ninety nines coming out of our paycheck that we don't feel. And we don't think they're draining us. Because we have an abundance of life force and energy. But when your energies are low, when that checking account is low, and it's time to take out that seven ninety nine, trust me, it will cause you to go and use overdraft protection, if not just bounce your check depending on on what bank you're in. Like I said, this was not going to be super long, and this is something I can talk about for hours and hours, and I will in different shows. But I made a commitment to do a second show. Nature took over, as it will in a few moments. But I had to come out here and just vibe with my family because I love you all very much. And I thank you all for showing up and chit-chatting with me because I know there's a lot of other things that you could be doing. There's a lot of other platforms that you can go on and you chose to come here. And if you're new, wait a second, I'm sounding like somebody's preacher. If you're new here and you like the word, then you can commit to be making this your church house. This ain't no church, y'all, please. <laughs> ah, That's crazy. I'm a little sleepy, so I'm talking out my head. But I hope I made sense, and I hope that maybe someone got something from what I shared. Like I say, I don't know everything, but whatever I have, whatever I've learned in this life, I'll definitely share with you. Because that's how my love runs deep for my people. And I have to straighten them out when they act, you know, improper. Got to spank some, and you got to toss them up over the edge of the ship. Because some of these people... They are parasites, many of them. And you put in hard work on something and they just want to piggyback off of what you're doing. And they come and cause confusion. They come and try to cause division. Team up on this one and team up on that one. How dare you? 
come in somebody else's house who welcomed you in. And all you can do is cause confusion. Be gone and don't come back. That's the way I feel. I'm in my old man emotions, and I don't feel old at 60 years old, but I have the right at this particular point after six completed decades to be able to say I kind of experienced a little bit about life. I'm a babe in the woods, and I do have a long way to go. And it doesn't mean that somebody half my age or 30 years old could, couldn't tell me anything because you don't have to be an older to be an elder. You could be 25 or 22. You could even be 18. You might be proficient in some area of expertise of which I have no knowledge. Then I must submit to that truth and what you know. So I'm not into the ageism thing where I'm older than you and I know more because I've been here longer. I might as well have been receiving the information 25% of the time. My downloadability may not be as fast as yours. So you've retained more. My hard drive may not store as much, but it kind of sort of does. But I appreciate how we share with each other. And I appreciate the energy that we all bring, even the jokes, because you know I like to have fun. But anyway, just want to say that I love you all. Thank you all so much. And I'm going to see you in my morning, which I'm five hours ahead of you, which may be very early, but I'll pull it back a little bit so that you can be up. I just say, wow, this week is moving fast. This is Thursday already. God, dog. But at least two a day, maybe three. We're going to vibe with this every day. And I thank you all for your support and your love. Lance Curve out. I'll show you ways to support if you seek to do so. But I will always give you back more than what I receive. That's my promise. And that's what I've been doing. For the past 23 years, February will make 23 years. We've been online every single day. I thank you for rolling with me. The proof is in the pudding. Hard work, dedication, all day, every day. Have a wonderful evening. I know it's earlier for you out there than it is for me, but it's still bedtime for many. It's 2.41 out here in West Africa, and I'm going to hit the sack. Because when that sun comes out here, it will pull back the shades, the curtains, sign in your face, and you feel like a wino who's hung over, hung out all night drunk, and you can't help but get up. So the sun always does that to me around 7, 30, 8 o'clock, so I'm not going to get as much sleep, but I'll sleep out in the sun until it's time to wake up. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for coming through. Much love to you all. Peace.